Yo, yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Powerline Podcast. This is your host, Doyle. Man, what episode are we on now? Approaching, approaching 60, but uh, yeah. Uh, if you're not on the Patreon, we uh, got a new Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash powerline and uh, get on that, you know. Helps us with the zine, helps us, you know, do this and other cool stuff, but yeah. Um, real quick, before we get into the guest, I just wanted to... Um, just wanted to address on um, last week on Instagram, someone had reached out to our uh, page and was uh, talking about how uh, quote unquote rape apologists had ran the space that we are going to have the flea market at um, that we've, you know, done shows at and stuff like that. And just wanted to address, you know, what I further on that post that I had made because uh, we had to cancel the market. Um, so basically, like, about a year ago before COVID hit, we had some individuals who were, you know, booking shows at the at the space that um, we, some things came to light that we heard about. And, you know, as soon as we heard about that, me and a couple other dudes talked and they told me and uh, basically banned those people from the house. Uh, you know, they couldn't come back or anything like that, come in at all. Uh, disassociated with them and took took the name that they were associated with off the house of you know the space so you know when that happened we disassociated and tried to move on and you know one of those individuals that was part of that I you know he lives close to me I'd seen a few times and you know we kind of saw each other and just you know got closure and moved on but I just wanted to say you know like we don't condone any of that stuff. Never have. And when we did hear about it, we kicked that shit right the fuck out. And uh, yeah, I, it, it was just crazy. You know, the people, a lot of people reached out with really positive messages and supporting. And that was really nice. And uh, yeah, because, you know, people really know that our space isn't about that. And we always, you know, when something like that were to happen, we always made sure that that kind of behavior or anything like that was kick the fuck out of there um it was funny because the next day someone came up or messaged me and was like hey that person who tagged that in your story and stuff um they're actually a rape apologist and said all this bullshit about me and my friends and another friend um about them in the scene and it was all lies and bullshit and when i confronted them about it they gave me this bullshit story and so it it was just like you know, disheartening to hear that too, that, and then the person who tagged us, like, just deleted that story, like, a couple hours later, so it was, like, just very confusing and disheartening, and, but it was good to, you know, a lot of people just show support and say, you know, fuck, fuck the bullshit, we know, we know you guys aren't about that, you know, and, and, you know, to close on that, there was a couple other, you know, people who, you know, were maybe saying some things, jumping on that fire, saying, like, we don't put on for, real LA hardcore and blah, 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 which, you know, the real ones know, you know, who've been here from the start of Powerline, you know, we always book local bands and try to put on for the local bands because that's why I started Powerline because we, the bands we were playing in and our friends' bands weren't getting any play. So, you know, that was our whole movement. So just want to say for that stuff too, you know, like the real, the real ones know where Powerline's coming from, but I'm rambling and I just wanted to address that and go further on the post that um, I posted on the Instagram because uh, you guys deserve to know what's up. But, you know, we have to cut ties with the house because, unfortunately, like, you know, the owner of the house was saying is just like that stain is on that space, unfortunately. And to finally cut ties with those people and what had happened, you know, with those people, we just have to uh, you find a new venue and not you know, deal from there anymore. Cause you know, just the association. So we will move on, you know, we will prosper and, you know, expect uh power line issue seven coming sometime soon. And, you know, people were asking about, you know, moving the market. I don't want to just move it right now. We'll plan for another market soon. Uh, maybe in the summertime, but yeah, without further ado, man, I got a really cool guest today. A homie I've known in the LA scene for a while now. Um, he's put out like so many of the bands that, you know, are homies of mine and, um, 
really just been with us um, since like the start of Powerline, known me before then. And uh, yeah, man, really cool guest and really talented and nice individual. I got David here from Salsa Verde Fanzine. What is that, man? Hey, how you doing today, man? Good, good, man. And I was, I was going to say too, so you do Salsa Verde Fanzine. Um, yes. But then other credits too, you also uh, have a podcast yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I said before that this is like my first time being a guest on a podcast. Uh, usually I have guests on my own. I run a horror-themed podcast called Bringing Down the Grindhouse. We record every Friday and release every Friday. Usually we try to do two episodes, but we also have a Patreon and merch now. So, that, I mean, it's, it's gaining steam. I like movie uh, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Especially the thing is we're we're just not all horror movies. We also do like video games and tv shows and books so okay, horror is so. a genre and then um, are you uh i know you were playing with uh aiden doing gunshot wound are you still doing that or or, yeah, any, yeah. or any other so, projects right now too musically so right now currently me and aiden have been trying to finish the latest gunshot room record uh we actually got quarantined almost together at his apartment because it was so long ago like last year right and um like as i was leaving on the train the shutdown happened and so uh <laughs> we have an album coming out or i guess a four three to four song ep in the works we still need to figure out a time to get that all set up and then um we just have the doom slayer ep that i play bass on uh doom slayer is like a death metal band uh it's me and my friends my friend mitch is on there he does vocals Okay. Uh, he is a host on the podcast as well. Dope. Yeah, I saw and, that was a Soul Severity release, but I didn't know you were in that project. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we spent the entire October uh, doing that. I believe we started in September. Um, but then, unfortunately, our producer passed away during the making of it. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, um, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so their neighbor was actually like, hey, I'm an audio engineer. Uh-huh. I leave in three weeks to Oregon if you want to finish the record come over to my house and we'll finish it right now. Damn. And so we just crunched and crunched and got a record out in three weeks. So other than that, nothing crazy on the music side. I believe we're trying to work on several smaller projects here and there. It's all in the here and now, because the thing with Salsa Verde fanzine, we're, we're just a big group of friends that love music, whether it's local or, you know, up the street as in LA. And we just love being in bands and playing different types of music. Like we'll, we'll hang out together and be like, We'll play a riff, and we'll be like, that's a this kind of riff, and we'll say X band, and we're like, nah, 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 that should be for this project, you know? Yeah. So there's always stuff going on. I'm thinking about joining my friend's band, uh, Night on the Sun. It's uh, another band that we did a release for, uh, just a just really nice, dreamy pop with, like, video game references, super Boy. fun stuff, just chill. I was going to say, before we get any farther, yeah, like I was saying in the intro, you know, we met, we met probably – three years ago maybe something like that and uh yeah at the uh code orange show in los angeles yeah the disembodied uh code orange <laughs> yeah. right yeah that was oh man that was so sick that was like peak one of the best concerts i've seen it i remember that sure. day i remember that day was uh it was in the summer and it was like one of the hottest days of the year oh yeah we we got up there and uh they they opened the venue like five minutes early and <laughs> yeah. people were pissed because they wanted to see vain and as we were coming in, getting our tickets punched, people were coming out with bloody noses. Damn. Like, like people were getting fucked up right before the band even started. <laughs> I know. I only caught like the last like two songs of Vane set that more that day too. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was insane. But we met there. I I met uh, Aiden as as well over there. Um, I ran into him really drunk, and he really liked my shirt. <laughs> and he was like, "Yo, you should be my homie." Doyle. Sound, like, sounds what? like Aiden. <laughs> So that's how we met, and uh, we've been friends ever since, then. Yeah, I was um, – and I don't think – you hadn't obviously started Salsa Verde yet, no? No, no. Um, so when did this, that – when did that all – when did that all start and uh, – yeah. I think it was literally a couple months later, I believe in January or February of 2019. Okay. Um. Because the thing is, Salsa Verde is like a group of people, but originally it was my friend Noah who plays drums in Grossero, uh, Headstone, and now Madrugado. Oh, okay. I can't say their name right now. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, Madrugado. But 
Yeah, there you go. Um, essentially, we came over and he was like, hey, man, check out this uh, bootleg I made of Iowa. And we're like, oh, that's sick. You put Iowa on a cassette. And he's like, yeah. I also got Astro World and the new Denzel Curry album. And we're like, okay, how'd you do this shit? And he's like, well, he just taught us how to dub a tape. Yeah. And we're like, so we basically have the means to put any tape out. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I did a, I did five <laughs> copies of my friend's band, King Bloom. And we're like, oh, shit. So if we buy blank tapes, we could just make cassettes. So that's how it all started. They, um, There was a show that they were going to do. And they had to go practice or they had to go record or something. So he handed me a big box of yellow tapes for Headstone and the, the deck and everything. And it was like, I need these done by today because they're going to be gone by the end of the day. <laughs> like dub them as fast as you yeah. can. The, the album's 13 minutes. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't realize the, the tab thing. So I was like, Noah, why the fuck is this thing not recording? And uh, he, he was just like, dude, you got to get the tab. I'm like, oh, fuck, there's, per- there's tabs in here. What the fuck? And uh, it was really a, a baby moment for all of us because we were hanging out, chilling with each other, playing video games, and just like, hey, who's going to flip the tape? Okay, all right. <laughs> now do side B. You go to a separate play on the computer. You hit uh, side B and then record. All right, cool. We could continue playing Halo or whatever. And... Um, that's how it, how it started. It was just we would have LAN parties and and just hook up like seven TVs, have like yeah. the, we called it the tower. Oh, shit. And and because uh, I bought a shitty one that played in reverse and then we had Noah's and we would just go to Goodwill every fucking week and just try to find working tape decks. Yeah. And finding splitters to finally be able to just, OK, we put a tape in, bam, we could make four tapes at a time in real time. And what was the what was the first like official release then or like Salsa Verde one? Because I feel like that that uh, song I played was Moby Dick off uh, Risks demo, and that was the first tape I got from you, I think. But that's a, okay. that's a Salsa Verde ten on there, so I'm like wondering. Yeah, I believe the first like uh, Salsa Verde zero zero one because we stopped numbering them after a while. I believe that was Spirit Away. Okay. Um, they're a hardcore band from San Diego. They have uh, female vocals. They're very, very fun and catchy. If you catch them live, they're a lot of, they're a good time. I feel like I've um, I've heard of them. Maybe yeah. Yeah, uh, they're our good friend uh, Dylan and his sister uh, Danielle. Dylan works at the Standards Record Store in, here in Vista. Okay. Uh, and uh, the owner of that record store is Colin Tape Tape from uh, Rod of Correction. So oh, it's just right. really cool. So it, it was really interesting to see Colin go from this guy that is uh, my record, my local record store owner to this guy that is wielding chains and just singing about fucking nihilism. It was really, it was really dope. Cause I've been going to that shop since like 2011. I know dude, Rada <laughs> correction rules. Like if, if anyone doesn't know that it's like members of take offense and uh, Rada, Rada correction rules, dude. Um, I, I I still think like that guitar player they have, their yeah. lead guitar player. Oh man, probably one of the one of the better lead guitar players for hardcore I think nowadays. I think they're still jamming. I think they're still maybe working on some material. Um, you know, I was going to also say you were mentioning San Diego, and I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, you. So you're from? Are you San Diego born and raised, or? No, I actually used to live in Orange County. Oh, okay. Um, I used to live in Anaheim used to live somewhat near Disneyland. I lived there to about the age of 12. Uh, I got the news that my dad's job was moving, moved down to Oceanside. Uh, so North County, San Diego. The only time that we would go to downtown or, you know, down south is either there's a show or there's a fest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and um, wh- what, was, uh, what was it like in San Diego? Like, I know... You mentioned Che Cafe a lot and stuff. What, where, where were you going for? Uh, were you into hardcore or underground music yet at all and stuff like that? Going to shows uh, when I first moved there. Yeah, or yeah, when did you start going to shows in that area? Um, it's really funny because I, when people talk about metalcore, we tend to not like to talk about the scene kid years. We kind of <laughs> like to skip over that. Right. So I, I was definitely a scene kid back in high school. 
And so I was going to uh, Soma San Diego, which, uh, if you don't know, is south of Market Avenue, is what it was considered. And uh, it's right near the state, uh, Qualcomm Stadium, I believe. Yeah. But man, they would throw banger shows. It's a banger to me. For being sure, a yeah. 14 year old kid, you know, seeing Attila play breakdowns on main stage. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe not until no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that was the thing. That was, I mean, like when I was I was a young dumb kid, I was just like, "Yo, they're playing zeros. This is sick." Right. That eight oh eight, I could feel in my whole body. <laughs> no, but um, Soma, that's a definitely another dope spot too. Yeah, uh, Chain Cafe was, has always been prevalent. Uh, it's just I just never knew of the space when I was a child. I guess you could say. Right. It was more of when I was coming into the DIY scene. Uh, figuring out the stuff with salsa verde because i i don't really do any of the dubbing anymore in salsa verde you've gotten too big now <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that it's just we uh our friend lost their job and it was like i have so much free time give me the tower <laughs> right yeah and uh he they go into their space and they they grab their tapes and they're just in their dubbing we call it the dub dungeon now because that's where they're gonna stay <laughs> um and so I do more of the event stuff now. Um, so like our first showcase I put on, we got Palace of Morning on that. It was a really fun show. It was Gunshot Wound's first show. Um, Buried But Still Breathing played. Yeah, dope. And man. fuck, yeah, they, they just sold like 500 vinyl records in like two minutes the other day. Yeah, that's <laughs> a sick band. Yeah, they're, they're, I believe what it is is like Europeans love that metalcore. Totally. Like, like uh, that cauldron style stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I did do the Salsa Verde Fest. I put that all together just to have COVID end it. I know I was going to say, damn, that it sucked. <laughs> Shit happens. It made me very, it made me very upset because uh, getting the seven bands on the showcase was hard enough, but then trying to strive for getting 17 bands and having them agree and, placing you know times for everyone yeah and then agreeing on it and then hey i'm sorry we gotta cancel it i was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah man yeah it's always a bummer when yeah you, know, sh- you know shit happens you i mean probably do another one in the future maybe yeah absolutely like we don't think it's canceled we believe it to be postponed Correct. so whenever Correct. stuff gets back in the way which we've been hearing for the last year we don't know when yeah, it's well, yeah, it's interesting. It seems like people like it's very hopeful right now. I keep seeing other news. Like I just saw someone post that uh, Universal Studios is opening up in like second week of April. Okay, so <clears throat> people well, people are just fucking going for it now. It really depends how you feel on the view of vaccines, but I believe if right. the vaccine is readily available for people, right, and I believe if everyone takes it. Then there probably won't be a problem, but the thing is, you're going to have people who retaliate, of of course. So, yeah. well, hopefully, we can get to a point where, like, what they said, uh, what like the term herd immunity or whatever, we can get like eighty percent or something, and then just say like, fuck it. <laughs> hopefully, we're going in blind. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, everything seems pretty like, damn. Like two months ago wouldn't be thinking kind of like this really at all and now but hey i mean as we knew early in the pandemic and shit like shit kind of has been like change changes fast or can change fast yeah. during all this like I ebbing mean, and flowing so maybe when it was is, the last time yeah. you saw a toilet paper shortage or right. an ammo shortage right you know yeah it's been that was like first week first month kind of shit yeah I remember I couldn't get a box of bullets for shit unless I stayed in line for like two hours. Oh, yeah. The gun stores were crazy, bro. Yeah. It was interesting, man. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, it's weird. The Yeah, dude. Yeah, the first like month of like the real pandemic was fucking weird. Weird vibes. Oh, yeah. And it's probably going to be hilarious to read it in the textbooks in a couple of years. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, dude, that's so crazy. I know I keep seeing that meme where it's like SpongeBob where it's like I don't want to be living through a major historical event right now. Right. And that's, that's the thing, it's not a hilarious thing. People are dying and people are getting sick. It's very sad, but Yeah. The way that we have reacted as a species is very interesting. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, I wonder how it was during uh the uh the Black Plague 
<laughs> how people were tripping. You know, they wore face masks during the Black Plague right. too, which uh, I always bring up to people when they want to bitch at me for not wearing a mask or, or bitch at, you know, for themselves right. not wearing a mask. They're like, I don't need to wear one. I'm like, dude, people who were in the Black Plague, they wore masks. Yeah. I, I mean, you know. And, it, and it's also to a point now where it's like, whatever you want to like – we get it. You're a, you're now a scientist on the matter, but like, just we'll just wear the mask. Like, it's more out of respect for your fellow human being than like proving a you know scientific fucking statistic or something. You know, like. Right. I'm gonna go to you for my science now, man. Right. Not dude. not the not the the guy with the degree. Yeah, definitely. Um. Well, yeah. You know, continuing on that, how have you been during all this, like? when it first went down and then continuing on. Cause it seems like you're still, still been releasing, you know, tapes with Salsa Verde and, you know, doing yeah. stuff kind of steadily. So it, it was pretty crazy because our numbers were going up exponentially. I guess people were just, the stimulus is hit. Right. Or maybe they're getting <laughs> unemployment. You know, they have an extra $3. We can't have anything nice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how it goes, but, you know, we were just getting a bunch of orders and we introduced the web store like you recommended us doing a long time ago. And uh, it oh, opened no. up the way. <laughs> you, I, remember I remember you that. telling me to open one up. <laughs> and uh, we finally took your advice. And uh, we were doing donations for a long time when, at the beginning of the pandemic. And then there was a the whole thing with Lebanon. And right. there was... Right. There was a whole thing with the, the first aid in Lebanon that needed to happen. And then there was a big thing when the fuck, man, it's crazy to think that all that shit happened last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there was the uh, the whole Black Lives Matter, um, like police brutality shit going down. We wanted to help people with black weird housing and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It was just very interesting because uh, we, we were doing a lot of tapes for charity and it really felt like we were doing something great for it. So we were really hyped to be doing that. And uh, eventually, I mean, stuff is still going on. So we hope to do more charitable things later. Yeah. Um, but right now it's kind of just trying to feed uh, the bear. I guess you could say the bear is Isaac, the person who's dubbing <laughs> because they need to start, they need to be able to live, you know, they need to keep the lights on so they can keep dubbing. So right now we're not really doing donations for charity. Right now, we're just kind of, you know, doing our thing so right. we can stay afloat. For sure. And, yeah, the donations, it doesn't always have to be, you know, a constant thing. I know a lot of a lot of people will do, like, a, one, a one-off big piece donation, like, for what I believe it was the last – with the last Powerline release and T-shirts, we raised, uh, like, a few hundred dollars and donated, donated to a couple of different uh, local, uh, like, charities and stuff. Yeah, it's it's always really cool to see what you could get when you have the power of community behind it. Yeah, dude. And uh, I mean, it's it's a great example. Just you know, um, you inviting us to the the market the first time was really appreciated. Yeah, that and was great. We joked about how before we were just sitting there with two tapes, and then now we had this whole spread out, and it it felt really good, man. I know it really was like a full circle moment. Um... Cause yeah, man, yeah, you got you guys really have kind of created this big. Um, I mean, maybe empire is not the right word, but yeah, like empire, and like uh, you guys are doing uh, just great work, and you know, putting out music. And I on the intro, I was saying a little bit, but I just want to again thank you for like, you know, putting putting out a lot of our homies' bands demos and tapes out, and like facilitating that like risk and lockdown and Firestarter, you know, oh, yeah. you know, union front and, you know, just putting all that stuff out. That's the thing. Um, I, I believe before we did, we wanted to go outwards to like different countries or different, uh, counties. Uh, we heard the first union front with the original lineup, right. the, the demo. And, uh, I was like, I want this on a cassette tape. And uh, I heard it. I played it for the rest of the boys, and we we're just like, "Yeah, I want this on tapes." And then we're just like, "Should we just hit them up?" And we we're just like, "Fuck it, let's just hit them up for it." And yeah. uh, through blind luck and just 
sheer faith. I mean, they, they trusted us with the first tape. And, uh, of course, some of them were, like, I believe two of them came in crack cases, but mm. we got them back for it. It was nice. our first time going through shipping and all that, so yeah, mistakes sure. are happening. Yeah. Um, but after that, I mean, that one, and then I believe the Risk and the entire Slam Records lineup, I mean, it was just very cool to be able to meet all these people in these bands, see them live in L.A., and then just, like, be like, oh yeah, here's your tapes that you ordered. And they're just like, holy fuck, these look good. And it just it was a really feel good moment for a lot of it. And, uh, you know, the thing with Salsa Verde is we always strive to want to inspire people to do it themselves. Totally. It was never about, you know, us just trying to make money off of your tapes. Sometimes we would do tapes for people, we would make like $5 at most for a run of 50 tapes. Yeah. It was never really for us to gain profit. It was more of, hey, this this uh, service is going to charge you $500 for X amount of tapes. Or if you come to us and cut the middleman, it's $200. Yes. And we don't make a cent, but you get your tapes. Yeah. You know, It was kind of just, we want music to be readily available to people. And music is weird because it's, it's something that you listen to, but also you can hold on to. So it becomes both uh, emotional and physical. Right. So being able to hold it physically is a whole other thing when you're going through the motions of it. Yeah, I think so physical, when they finally, physical like medium of anything is super important, you know? Yeah, yeah. And especially with hardcore, because tapes have been a thing forever, man. Right, yeah. I mean, it's very interesting to talk to my coworkers. They're like 50 or 60. They're up there, you know, and, and they're just like, you sell tapes? I'm just like, yeah. They're like, people still fucking buy tapes? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, kids in long sleeves and fucking right. Nikes, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People in de- death metal long sleeves. and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of tapes and stuff like that, and you had said uh, with that with that demo, you are like, I want to put this on tape. What, what um, how did you first like fall in love with tapes itself, like cassette, like the format? Um, like what about it first attracted to you or made you dig it? I think what was really funny was being able to see the different splatters. Cause we were really into vinyl. I mean, yeah. vinyl variants were the shit for the longest time. Um, you get something that looks like birthday cake splattered on like a white plastic vinyl. It looks dope. Yeah, it's cool. And so when I saw that that paint splatter could be also administered to a cassette tape, it was really cool. The moment I found out you could put a pencil inside a cassette tape and rewind it manually, oh, dude, it was like the the world secret unlocked. You know? Damn, that's crazy. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, everyone would tell me that they would have their Walkman back in the day. Whenever I saw them on tape, I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to have the pencil. So if you fuck up your tape, you could rewind it and not fuck up your tape. And I was like, that's a good idea, actually. So people in like LA and New York back in like the nineties or eighties when they were running cassettes always would have a pencil on them. So if their fucking cassette fucked up, they could rewind it. Damn. That's wild. (laughs) (laughs) That's so crazy to think to like, it's just like, even in the nineties there was that. And then now it's like, we have like Spotify. What, what are you, what are you using a pencil for? What are you fucking going to be poking at? (laughs) Oh, you know, my phone died. I need a charger. Right. Like, that's the at worst. Yeah. And it was it was even better, too, because they had boob boxes, and those things would fucking be loud, man. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing is, we didn't really fall in love with the cassette tape. I guess the cassette tape just kind of fell into our hands, yeah. and we decided that it was the cheapest medium between CDs, vinyl, and cassettes. And we learned to grow to love the cassette tape afterwards. Right. So it's not like we it chose us, we chose it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I feel you like cuz I'm a I'm a vinyl lover as well and uh but there's something about tapes. It's cool. Like CDs, you know, obviously me and you probably, you know, we grew up on CDs and stuff being right. the main thing. But uh yeah, there's something cool about a cassette. Maybe it's cuz like things are like um cute like cuter as they get smaller you know <laughs> but, yeah. but like, you know what i mean and just seeing when, it packaged like that but when you get a cassette do you ever just 
open it up and like extend the entire thing and you just want to see every little detail yeah sometimes if i see it has the like more to it yeah i'll definitely peel it out and sometimes it'll be just like a cool promo pick or lyrics or right right and that's i think that's also the fun thing uh i especially love it when they put stupid stuff inside the cassette tapes like i remember buying a cassette once at standards and it had a sticker for the band um and a condom and i was like this is this is fucking this is something man (laughs) damn that's tight (laughs) right right whoever's listening like that i would i would use that immediately (laughs) (laughs) i never got one of those uh i know rotting out did condoms like years ago yeah it's very bands doing condoms it's a weird thing that's always been prevalent (laughs) right um, but you, you cassette. I mean, you, uh, you collect VHS tapes. Yeah, I think that's the fucking baddest thing ever, man. Yeah, I love uh, love VHSs. I don't have any like crazy, crazy like rare ones. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I do have some, but but yeah, like yeah, I love VHSs. I uh, it's funny people always trip out too. Like, oh damn, you still have a VHS player? Like, dude, yeah, there's like eighty of them sitting at Goodwill right now. Just fucking like pick one up. <laughs> Do you have one of the VHS players that's connected to a TV or no? Yeah, well, no, pretty much uh, those are cool when it's like built into the TV. But no, I just have one. I just have one where it's like a like a DVD player. Like you just plug in the red, white, red, white and yellow cables into the back and plug it in and you got your, you know, thing to go. And and you make sure to clean your heads and all that. Oh, shit. What? uh, What on the inside? (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't know. Make sure, make sure you know every ever every couple you know months or years, you clean your head. Okay. that's what we got to do on our machines too. Like just on Heads. the oh yeah, on the inside, the things that swirl yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you just gotta you know get get some get some alcohol or some solution. I'll just like blow in there really hard and be like, <laughs> oh, oh, what the yeah, fuck? get all get the dust from the seventies back in in your lungs, you know. Yeah, I know Us, it's a, it's a trip. I uh. Speaking of VHS tapes, my dad was telling me one time, and it's so funny that I actually didn't believe him. Like, I didn't believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. But he was talking about VHS tapes when they first came out, how they were st- extremely expensive. He was like, yeah, they uh, when VHS tapes first came out, because they would, like, pretty much lease them to a – before Blockbuster. I was watching some clips of the Blockbuster yeah. documentary that just came out. And they were saying basically they would, like, give – uh, they would give them like a where a wholesale like rental fee and a and a, sh- a mom and pop shop would like rent five copies, you know, and, okay. and to actually own a VHS, you would have to buy it for like 80 bucks. That's and a I, lot back in the day. Right. And well, my dad told me that I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. And I, <laughs> but it, it's true, true, I guess, until it like really became super mass. And then Blockbuster yeah. came out and they, they were like, oh, we never run out of this movie. So they took over. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always the crazy thing. I remember going to my local video store. I mean, this was back in like, fuck, 2001. Yeah. And it was still up. I mean, they had VHSs and DVDs. Yeah. It was I mean, a very shifting time. Um, but I always thought that the VHS stores – are so fucking cool because uh, a lot of the big thing about movies is the artwork. Yeah, totally. Back in the day, um, they would just use a lot of paintings. I'm, I mainly see it in horror, but for everything from like action movies, to comedies, I mean, they're, they're just more detailed, yeah. more finely printed. And they take time like buying painters to paint the cover of their movie. Right. So when you go into a VHS store or a DVD store and you see all of this lined up, it's like part Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and Dude. like part like, wow, I could get lost here for hours and lose so much money and time. <laughs> totally. Because before I fell in love with VHSs, I fell in love with like uh, d- DVDs, like buying DVDs yeah. when I was a kid um, and going to places like uh, Sam Goody and like shit like that. You know, it's funny, though. I do remember. I don't know the name of it, but I remember going to a VHS store when I was a kid. And, uh, it was just so like, I just have like photographic memories of it. Just like VHS is stacked everywhere. And the, those old like 
thick plastic rental cases over right. the, the stickers on top of the fucking yeah, DHSs. Man. Fuck. And yeah, just going to like a movie store. Man, I wish those There's stores were like some, around. Some guy watching a movie in the movie store too. Oh right, that's fucking <laughs> weird too. Like, like, get out of here, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> um, Watches the that's whole thing. thing. Like, I know um, when I was a kid, I would always just rent Godzilla movies. And yes. so, like, like nowadays, I wanted to ask you: Do you do you like what is your favorite horror movie? Number one. Uh, my horror. That's easy. Friday the Thirteenth. That's original. Just, yeah, the one? original. The original. Yeah, that's just like okay. my number one. That's like one of the first movies I ever like got on my own as a kid, and I just like okay. the cover of it. The actual movie, I just like fell in love with the, all of it. Okay, sweet. So no, no ski mask, but Jason's mom going on it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I fell in love with the series, and then part three, where Jason gets his mask, is probably one of my favorites, if not my f- personal favorite. Yeah, that, I believe out of like those that Friday thirteenth, the the inclusion of the mask is like the icing on on, on the cake for totally me. yeah the second one is cool too where he's got like a potato sack over his head and yeah um, yeah i uh, love friday so, 13th so how familiar are you with like godzilla movies because we we got a new one coming out tomorrow. i was gonna say bro yeah so man this part people who are listening i wanted to talk to david too because like i want to use this as tomorrow when this airs is is godzilla kong day we got a new fucking <laughs> I'm stoked, bro. Oh, yeah, dude. I've yeah, been I, this. I, uh, I watched definitely like old uh, Godzilla movies back in the day, like the classic old ones and like the Mecha Godzilla. Right. And I used to have yeah. little, I used to have little like Mecha Godzilla figurine and stuff. Um, Fuck yeah! I even saw like the early 2000s one. I know there was a couple, but I saw one of those. And then I seen King Kong. I remember seeing like the the one with Jack Black when I was like, oh, I yeah. went on a date with a girl and saw that. <laughs> oh man, that's like a three hour movie, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it is so I mean, we we probably just like made out the whole time. I think yeah. you know that that type of thing, you know. Yeah. But, so so you're 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 familiar with giant monsters, then? Yeah, dude. I don't. Yeah. What about what about you, man? I know you. You're pretty well versed in that universe. Yeah. Um, Basically, on on the podcast that I run, I told them that the only reason I would join the podcast is if they let me do an episode on on a Godzilla movie. (laughs) And I was like, that's the only, like, prerequisite. I'll join your podcast as long as I get to talk about Godzilla at one point. Uh, Because it's been a a staple of my childhood. It started with me liking Jurassic Park. Mm. And I'm like, wow, Jurassic Park, this is a breakthrough film. I mean, even till today, it holds up. Oh, yeah, But then your dad... Your dad comes over and says, hey, you want to know it's bigger than a T-Rex? It looks crappier. And you're like, what? And it's like Godzilla in a fucking suit. And it's so fun. And you just feel so good inside just seeing him kick ass in a rubber suit. And I was just like, this is what I could get behind. As a kid, I had a, a, a small collection, but I burnt out those DVDs, dude. I have it up there on my on my DVD shelf, and they are scratched all hell, man. I used to play the crap out of them. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel and you. so, um, I believe it was last year. I made it my mission to rebuy every Godzilla movie um, because they had the uh, the Showa era, like Criterion number one thousand. Oh, snap. it was it was uh, the first fifteen movies from like old Godzilla back in the day. Damn. Yeah. Because when did they start? Was it like I was going to say the sixties, but it was probably before that, right? Uh, 54. Okay, 54 50s, was yeah. the first one. And if you, by any, by all means necessary, it is the best one. Really? Um, I, if, if you've never seen the original Japanese cut, it is such a dark, heavy, I mean, like scary movie, deep down to its core. And it it's just called Godzilla, the first one? Yeah, just, Gojira. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Gojira. Go, that's right, that's right, yeah. And it's just, it has allusions to the nuclear war to the bombing of Bikini Atoll. It has all these uh, references to how Japan was feeling post-World War II. Yeah. And you could see it on the faces that this is not how the people in the movie are feeling, but that is how people in Japan were feeling during that time. Right. It's a very serious movie, but um, it's very heartbreaking near the end because the hero does sacrifice himself. Mm. Um, 
but he he makes it so the people that are Godzilla, he kills Godzilla with a weapon that he made and he kills himself with it. So he dies with the knowledge that it won't be used against another human. Right. Um, it, it's very deep stuff for that first movie. And then yeah. in the second movie, they're like, fuck it. We're going to have him fight a big spiky t- uh, like T-Rex, dude. <laughs> right. Some guy, guy in the <laughs> like, writing room was like, all right, we're going to yeah. light, lighten it up. No, the, yeah, the first one, I, I, I want to say I have seen either clips, but maybe not the full thing. But yeah, man. It's very iconic. I mean, that, that um, the resin glove on the violin, the roar. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, they use it to this day for Godzilla's roar somewhat. Damn, that's Even crazy. in Godzilla 2014 and King of the Monsters, they use that same roar from 54. It might be you know digitized and warbled but it's still there if you look for it right yeah i love love the black and white too and it just looks all like yeah that's a yeah that's the thing with uh, 1950s sci-fi horror that is my shit man i can i could go to town on that dude yeah i would say probably one of my favorites speaking of like sci-fi semi maybe horror is the day the earth stood still oh yes yes with the um like the original giant robot gort yeah and uh, he's basically just trying to save the people from themselves, but they don't fucking listen to him. Right. It, and then, like, they get, like, the metal fabricators. They're trying to break holes in this machine. Yeah. They can't <laughs> penetrate it. It's, yeah. It's so good. It's a great one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love and, that one. And there was uh, the thing from outer space, uh, which would be the... Like, the catharsis for The Thing by John Carpenter. Okay, because... Yeah, they were saying there's like a older, older the thing or whatever. But okay, yeah, yeah, that was uh, it was a guy in a suit. Okay, as an alien, but John Carpenter knew if he did that, everyone would walk out of his movie. Right. Yeah. And so the thing is a also, great movie, the John Carpenter thing. Oh yeah, it's I I believe it to be my personal favorite horror movie. It's a classic. I watched it like early on during this quarantine shit because I was all fucking. <laughs> we're all. We're like, <laughs> it's a great quarantine movie. Yeah, it'll make you paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, the effects uh, from Rob Rob Boutine like hold up to this day. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was going with this though. Oh yeah, so so early predictions. The right. movie isn't out yet. Yeah. What do you expect is going to happen in this new Godzilla versus Kong? Right. I don't know, dude. Like, cause okay, so the premise looks like what Kong is. Godzilla's coming in and Go- Kong's trying to protect us. Right. 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 I would say I'm kind of feeling like Team Kong, bro. I, you know, I'm monkey, bro. You know. Yeah, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love, bro. I follow this Twitter page where it's just all like fucking uh, like monkeys and apes and stuff. That shit's hilarious. But uh, yeah, I think I don't know, dude. I think uh, I think there's a lot of hype. So it it's uh, but uh, but I think it's gonna be dope. I think it's gonna be a dope movie. And I haven't really been plugged into the Godzilla universe in the past uh, couple films, like the past two or three. But I I heard um. I heard what the second to last one was really good, I think, right? Uh, King of the Monsters. Yeah, it was either the last one oh, or the yeah. one before that was I heard was really good for the King of the recent. Um, King of the Monsters. Oof, that's a if you want to relive your childhood. <laughs> there you yeah. go, dude. Damn, yeah, because I was looking at uh, I saw HBO Max was like watch some of the, watch the previous Godzillas and Kongs today before you know. Yeah, yeah. I would recommend watching uh, King of the Monsters prior to the viewing of Godzilla vs. Kong. Nice. No, but I'm stoked, man. I got for sure. I got HBO Max, so I'm gonna watch that shit tomorrow. But yeah, no, nah, nah, dude, I'm stoked. I think, I think, damn, dude. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a fucking crazy ass. I think it's gonna be like the perfect blend. Of everything not too, not too action based and not too like boring. Human based, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Uh, personally. I mean, I've seen. I I know a guy that uh, he he works in the props department for Universal on this movie. Ooh. And he's he. You're like, give me a leg, give me Godzilla's leg, bro. Give me his toe. <laughs> <laughs> he shared he shared a piece of information with me about two years ago, and it's been burned in my head for like the longest time. Oh, I didn't want to 
spoil it to anyone. And then I come because I'm I'm following these Godzilla accounts because I'm a part of this fandom right. of fucking nerds that just love big giant dinosaur lizards, you know. <laughs> and they're just like, "Hey, man, they just released a new toy line. Guess what's in it?" And I'm like, "Oh no, really?" And the thing that I saw in the fucking script is there. Yeah. I'm not gonna spoil it for you guys, but. It's a fucking wild one, man. Hell yeah. And it's crazy because we didn't get it from a movie. We got it from a fucking toy. Damn. <laughs> a toy going up on the shelves before the movie hits gives us more spoilers than fucking Hollywood these days. Right. Yeah, that's interesting, bro. I think, like, um, toys are... You th- you'd think all that stuff's kind of dead, but, like, toys and figurines and, like, kind of... Like, I see you got some pop figures back there. Like, that yeah. stuff's definitely still still strong. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I will always. I was like, probably... I'm a collect- collector of just bullshit, so I feel you. I I love just collecting whatever. <laughs> yeah, we have very similar fucking backgrounds. <laughs> I know, just eclectic fucking. This one's bullshit. my favorite though, the Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet. That's dope. Just old old school shit, but um, you know, it's 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 crazy to me because you were saying that when you were younger, you used to have like little figures of Mechagodzilla and stuff. Yeah, and I did too. So while we're all growing up and getting older and like debating the cinematography and the special effects and the scripts of these movies, there's little kids out there who are going to the theaters and they're just getting stoked on the fucking violence, dude. It's just a, it's like, it's a new cycle. It's pretty sweet. You know, that's funny. Yeah. I think like God, Godzilla is on the big screen. Yeah. I I mean, no, I was just going to say, um, yeah, it's interesting because I think, I mean, we have to be at a peak for uh, effects and CGI, no? Like, we have to be at a tipping point where there has to be a an evolution or, like, a, a left turn somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, we've kind of mm-hmm. hit a point of high definition, you know, like, with everything. Right. I mean, like, have you ever watched a trailer for a video game and you thought it was a movie? Right, even or that some, too, Or yeah. something like that, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's very interesting to see how effects have come. But even movies I've like always, the Marvel movies, it's just like, it looks like it's just like a million things happening. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, this is intense. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what the like, fuck? Like, we open the portals and then all these superheroes come out. And you're like, oh my God, they got <laughs> everybody. Fuck. <laughs> I know. Uh, but that's, that's the thing. Like, when I was a kid... Godzilla wasn't on the big screen. Mm, right. And he wouldn't be on the big screen. It's a 2004 with Final Wars. And I didn't see it because I wasn't aware of what Godzilla was doing in, Amer- in America. <laughs> you're talking, when I was in you're school, talking you know? about it? Like he's like an actual, like, individual, <laughs> like. The, you know, the, I wasn't yeah. keeping up on his Twitter, so I didn't know where yeah, he yeah. was at. You I don't know. know. You know like, that's <laughs> when these movies would come over to America, it, it was always rumor of fucking like word of mouth just like right. oh yeah you catch it at this theater 700 miles away and you're like okay it's not even worth me driving over there yeah. but now godzilla is picked up by universal it's like every fucking theater has this now and japan they're they're talking to these people at universal and they're so goddamn happy with how these movies come out yeah because they're very canon to what godzilla was you know, when um, they released the Matthew, Matthew Broderick, I believe, the cut. Right. Godzilla 1999, or I believe, with the CGI Godzilla. Right. With the Godzilla babies that kind of look like raptors um, in New York, right? Yeah. Godzilla, reta- or Tokyo, I believe it was Toho, they reduced the rights from that movie company. Mm. And they said, they're, we're going to start calling this Godzilla Zilla because there's nothing godly about him. It was just like, oh, this. Yo. You know? <laughs> yeah, because that's like, that's a big legacy, you know, worldwide, yeah. but especially like to their tradition. So it's like, you can't fuck with that. It's also a big haymaker for money and their economy, dude. Totally. Those movies sell so much. I mean, it's, it's very interesting to see those numbers. And when was the resurgence then? Because it seems like there's been like three or four films in the past five six years or no 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 like Uh, more in the past like 10 years there's been like four three four films so we're we're in a fourth quadrant i guess you could say the first era was the showa era that's 1954 to 1979 okay the second area is called the heisei era 
from 1980 to 1999. And then they got the new millennium era, which was 2000 to 2004. Mm. And then now we're in the postmodern millennium. Uh, this is 2014 to now. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so six, so they haven't officially coined it the postmodern uh, era, but I'm going to start calling it that because it makes sense. Sounds good. Existence. Sounds good. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so we had like Godzilla 2014 and uh, Kong Skull Island in 2017. Right. Uh, yeah. King of the Monsters in 2018 and now Godzilla versus Kong in 2021. Um, they did do a anime trilogy, which is god awful and I don't mm. recommend it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bad. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is like? What do you think is the thing to this like success with the with the Godzilla and King Kong and Marvel and DC? It seems like both those universes are like killing it. I think the, the idea with the cinematic universe is that they can make many smaller stories that interconnect. Yeah. So when we watched Endgame or Infinity War. That was a decade of fucking extra credit scenes of, you know, watching major story plots, people putting items in bags and never seeing them for movies upon end, Mm. just to finally have it collide together. And we see this big amalgam of everything that we have seen. It's a very beautiful thing because it's like the people that do their research, the people that watch everything the people that do their you know read documents and all that they get all the references they're feeling on top of the world when they see every reference that the directors make right because everything's put in there for a reason the same thing goes with star wars um and it's very i guess you could say saturated now with marvel and star wars because they're starting to just give the check and the gas button for every TV show in the world. Yeah. There's like, yeah, make it, make it, make it. And my mind is just like, I could only handle so much. The Mandalorian <laughs> put the last like star Wars movies to shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like absolutely. I mean, um, but, but, I like, that was Dave, so good that I might just fucking rewatch that shit right now. The Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, the, it's just, it will show you what happens when you have good writing and good references I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty crazy to think that they even connect the TV shows for kids into The Mandalorian. Right. And so me watching Star Wars Rebels, a show that's on Disney XD for like ages 8 through 12, I feel so dumb watching it. But then I'll finally understand this connection in The Mandalorian Season 2. So I'm just like, okay, I guess you give and take, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah it's there for the people who want to research. Right. Well, in in closing on this, we got a few minutes left in the pod. Um, yeah, I'm st- I'm stoked to watch the movie, and yeah, I think uh, we shall see uh, what the universe holds for the future of Godzilla and Kong. Yeah, let's see let's see them kick each other's ass. Let's see them try to figure out if they just want to team up. Hey, dude, you know? hey, yeah, they could. You know, mm-hmm. handshake and then they're let's go. <laughs> they're the, all dancing with big shades. On. I know, right? Like, so good um well yeah um you know rounding it back to you know salsa verde and music and stuff what have you been um like listening to lately any dope releases that you've been um checking out yeah i'll give a shout out to well just the, the honest contenders gulch and sangwasugabog for sure nice um i guess I do like that new little Nas X fucking single that dropped. That shit's catchy as hell. That shit's hilarious. I, all the shit that's come out. <laughs> it's just, all this, the controversy that's come out of there has been so insane funny. to watch. Oh, but man. the guy made a funny... Tra- I mean, like, there's banjo in that track if you listen for it. It's very cool. What is um, going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, other than that, I've been listening to a band that I will recommend to everyone now, uh, Slope. If you haven't heard the new Slope record, they're a band from Germany. Um, imagine super talented hardcore musicians that love funk and love dancing. And they just like, it's like Turnstile times 100. Yeah. It has mixes of Madball and Turnstile and jazz and funk. It was just, it's a good fucking record, man. Hell yeah. 
So that new record from Slow, and uh, I guess I recommend anything from Enya. I've just been on an Enya kick. <laughs> Um, word and then any um, releases that are coming out right now that we should be looking out for first from Salsa Verde well Buried But Still Breathing just did their three presses of the vinyl we are said to get the fourth pressing so if you like that metalcore money we will be getting that soon they're a great band definitely check them out yeah yeah for sure those are definitely the homies Uh, I do know that the vocalist he is now the drummer of uh, CU Space Cowboy a good friend of mine called uh, AJ I know that they're working on some stuff, so keep an eye out on Seeing Space Cowboy. Hell yeah. Um, other than that, we've been working on doing a lot of boot runs with our friend Deadlink Design. Uh, oh, that's I, right. You did that as Blood Runs Black Boot. Shh. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Michael Doyle. <laughs> we, didn't, we did not. We did not. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been doing some boot runs. We did a... We did a, a My Chemical Romance one recently, and uh, we did a Deftones one. So we yeah. will always be helping our friends Jax with their tape runs. So those things are very limited. They're going to be like up for 24 to 36 hours, depending on how much time they want to give people for pre-orders. Yeah. So I would follow Deadlink Design uh, because they come to us with so many different ideas, and they make shirts for the stuff. So we'll, we will always be doing the tape pressings for them. Um, do you guys, so right do you guys now, have any merch right now? No, but you know, I'm thinking about putting up the, uh, should do a t-shirt the, or something. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is like, I just got my hat for the podcast stuff. And I'm thinking nice. it really wouldn't cost much to put the logo onto a hat or a t-shirt. Yeah, man. So yeah. Merch and a zine, probably never. We're, we're still, we're so lazy. We're just like all going through our different phases of life. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> tough, man. But yeah, but no, nah, you're you're doing a lot of great work, man. And um, as we're as, I, we're, as I, we're wrapping up here, I just wanted to say like thanks again for everything uh, you do, and uh, you know you've helped you know a lot of bands here in the LA area, you know, put out their stuff to physical media and just get it out there. So you're doing a lot of good work. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I thank you. I mean, um, we love helping out people in LA. I mean, when we come up here and. We're greeted with all these people we know by username on Instagram, but we actually get to meet their face, shake their hand, hit with them, fucking riff with them. It feels really good, man. We love uh, every LA run that we do. And uh, that's just how we are with the LA bands. Like if when shows do come back, we want to help LA bands get booked in San Diego. Totally. And, and like maybe go through you if we want to get bands from San Diego booked in LA, you know? Yeah. Let me just, know. That's the thing. That's just that big connection, that big community. Southern California is a circle, you know? Yeah, man. Yep. We're, <laughs> we're here just shaking hands, helping each other out, man. Absolutely. From, from L.A. to San Diego. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on, man. It was really great. Yeah, no, dude. It was, uh, yeah, no, it was super fun. Good to, good to talk about other stuff, too, than just music. Glad we talked about some movies and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. well, I'll leave you here, man. Um, but, yeah, it was great having you on, and I've been meaning to have you on for a long time, so fucking glad we got you in here. Glad to be here, man. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. All right, bro. Well, have a good night. I'll, t- I'll see you have later, a good man. Night. See ya. Peace, man. All right. That was David from Salsa Verde Fanzine and Gunshot Wound, if, you, um, if you're into, like, noise, metal, core, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, man, David's a good homie, and he does a lot of great cassette releases and um stuff for the san diego you know scene and also los angeles and kind of all over but yeah thanks for thanks for tuning in to another episode of the powerline podcast um trying to as things open up in the world trying to get more of these out there more frequent so yeah we will see you next time powerline podcast we're out peace